Thank you for tuning into the Debbie Devotional Podcast, a monthly show focusing on Debbie prospects, strategies, and incoming rookies. Now here's your host. Welcome back to the Debbie Devotional, where we stay devoted to Debbie. I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A. As always, I'm joined by Aaron Wilcox at Aaron Wilcox 86 on Twitter. And I'm Dynasty Coach A on Twitter, if you didn't know. And tonight we're going to be covering some week two and, and even week one, uh, uh, college football, Debbie football. And I'm uh, pretty excited to do it because this is the first like in-season pod that we've had in, in quite some time. We actually have some uh, some NFL, or not some NFL, some some college football to talk about here, and it's uh, it's pretty exciting. We wanted to talk about it last week, but honestly, I'm glad that we didn't. Uh, unfortunately, Aaron had some issues and, and some things going on uh, where he couldn't record. And you know, once week two happened, I was actually kind of excited about it because so much changed from week one to week two. We know not to overreact from one week, but it it was truly like like Jordan Addison, you know, for for example, Jordan Addison had like 22 yards receiving in, in week one, and then he just completely blows up in week two. So I'm glad that we got to wait a little bit, get a little bit more data, get a little bit more film watching in, and then uh, and, and you know, then be able to. To, to bring it to you guys tonight, we're going to be talking about some uh, concerns that we have with certain players, some standouts, and then we'll be talking about a player that we have or that's on our radar now. And then, uh, you know, we might even get into some like class comparison as well. So uh, we have a, a jam packed pod and we have a little bit of a time crunch. So we're going to go ahead and dive in. But first, how are you doing, Aaron? I'm doing well, ready to discuss all this with you. It's been nice having football back, that's for sure. Absolutely. I've, I've been able to watch some of the games, uh, you know, as a, as a Gator fan, they've been, uh, there's been some ups and downs, uh, you know, with, uh, with, with the watching of the games. Uh, but you know, it, it's definitely been fun. I, but why don't we go ahead and start with the concerns? We'll get the bad out of the way. Then that way we can get into the good guys, if that's okay with you. And I'm going to go ahead and start with a Gator. Anthony Richardson, I, I, we both have expressed concerns before, you know, about how we just don't necessarily think he's going to be an NFL quality QB and nothing's changed. I, I know people saw week one and I saw a lot of uh, people on Twitter saying, that's it. Anthony Richardson's the QB three in the 2023 class. And I watched that game. I'm not a film watcher. I'm not a film grinder. I did watch that game. He did not look like an NFL QB in in that game. I'm sorry. Um, there he he ran you know a good amount. He obviously has the athleticism. He has the build. People want him to be Cam Newton. I don't think he's quite Cam Newton. Um, even though Cam wasn't the greatest passer, I don't think that Richardson's even the level that he's at or he was at, um, especially in college. And you know, I always said it's not impossible for him to take that next step forward. It, it definitely like crazier things have happened but it needs to happen this year. And I've seen no step taken forward, especially when you got into the week two. I, I really didn't see it in week one either, but obviously they won the game. I mean, it, it was promising, whether you're a Gator fan or a Richardson fan or whatever, like it was promising. And then week two, it just looked like last year, you know, whenever it just, nothing has changed. He, he just has no... He's not a passer of the football, you know? What do you think? Save me, because I'm just going to keep talking about how he can't throw the ball. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those things where he has the tools to do it, but he just doesn't have the consistency yet. And I think that's the biggest barrier. That was the biggest barrier for him earning that time last year too, right? It's not that Emory Jones was this elite quarterback, but it was more so this Anthony Richardson development of his consistency as a passer was not there so yeah definitely has the tools nfl might have interest in it but it just reminds me so much of uh, malik willis from this season and i think that there's going to be some growth this season this could be growing pains with that and richardson we should be considering him maybe a 2024 prospect because at this rate it doesn't seem very likely he'll declare this year i don't think he would lose the job he is a good player is he a good pro prospect i guess is another question so that's very right. much in doubt right now so nfl loves tools but it showed us this year if you have some tools but you're not truly elite it's not going to get you there you got to be able to pass too so 
Um, yeah, and I'm sure he doesn't want to be a third or fourth or fifth round pick. So, you know, that's not that's probably not what he's going for. I definitely agree with you that it's probably going to be more of a 2024 thing, if anything. Um, but his numbers so far, his passing numbers so far, 52% completion rate, 3.7 adjusted yards per attempt, zero passing touchdown uh, t- touchdowns, and two interceptions. So that just goes to show you that it's not quite there yet. And, I mean, yes, he's had some some good uh some good games like some good quality teams to play against so you know you can say that but you know once again those numbers just don't cry out uh nfl stud anytime soon so i think we need to see some growth absolutely and i mean that utah game really did get people hyped up everybody was waiting to see him take that next step and you know pull off a win against a good program and he, he did that but he didn't necessarily do that with his amazing passing precision passing so right. he was much better, 70% completion rating, uh, completion percentage, I should say, for that game. <laughs> but, and I mean, he flashed, I think he threw uh, maybe an, a two-point conversion, things like that, that didn't show up in the touchdown column. But still, he's got a ways to go for sure. I agree. Who's your first concern? Yeah, I will say that first concern, Titus Swen, running back Wyoming. And this might be a little deeper play for Debbie folks or more just a C2C conversation we need to have. But this Wyoming offense is just bad. It's bad to start the season. Quarterback play is not there. The whole team talent isn't there. They're missing guys like Nair. And it's not going to be completely his fault by any means, but he, he banged up his ribs, and now it's going to be so hard to trust him in lineups this season. So he's not going to have the type of production that would warrant NFL consideration. And he's not also going to really be able to be a great option for us to put in our lineups. So I think that against lower level matchups, sure. He's maybe a a flex player going forward. Maybe he will figure it out, but um, again, a deeper play Titus Swen is just not really (laughs) performing up to expectations thus far. Yeah, nothing really jumps off the the screen when you're talking about him. You know, it's it's he doesn't really uh, catch the ball very much. Uh, he doesn't really, you know, his PPR points per touch are fairly low. You know, under one, uh, which is you really want your like your studs are usually around like one point two, one point three, one point four PPR points per touch. So you want to see you know definitely more than that. Uh, only a 5% big time run rate. That's one thing that I love with these uh, running back prospects. So you're just not seeing a lot of like explosive nature to his game. Uh, I definitely agree with you. I'd, I'd be concerned as well. <laughs> and like you said, it's, it was a deeper one. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad like we, I don't want it. I don't want to always talk about the same players or anything. So I'm glad that you're digging deeper here though. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, I have a couple shallow guys too, if we want to hit on them, just some maybe obvious cons, uh, concerns out there. Yeah. And this one actually makes me pretty sad, but uh, it's a, it's a player that I've been a big fan of. It's Dante Tam- Damus Jr. I think that, you know, the, the injury was always a concern, but then I started getting hyped up again because people were saying he's back. He's, he's going to be playing week one. Everything looks great. You know, he's healthy. And, and so I got back in, even though I was originally like, Oh, after that injury, he might not play again. Well, once I started hearing that he was healthy and everything, I was like, yeah, I'm back. I'm hundred percent in and man, things just don't look great. Um, maybe it's going to take a little time with the injury and I get it. You know, like that injury was disgusting. We've talked about it before, you know, on the pod, but he, he just, he, he's barely done anything. And I mean, he was a stud, like he was the number one receiver on that team. And now he's averaging like 20 yards or a game. So it's, it's, it's only through two weeks, but I'm definitely concerned. Yeah. Not a great look. And we know Maryland can put out good wide receivers and we know that he was good. Like you said, the wide receiver won there before, but he's not doing it yet this season. I actually think that he's a good buy low though. Um, if you think that he is a good football player and he's starting off so slow, there's going to be people, uh, rightfully so, putting him in that concern category. And, I mean, I'm concerned as well to a certain degree, but coming off uh, ACL and probably other ligamentous and or structure damage to that knee, it might take a little bit um, this season for him to get up to speed. And maybe he's not going to be that day two guy. Maybe he is one of those day three guys who – is really dependent on 
being in the right system, whatever the case is. But he should get his athleticism back to pretty good levels by the time we're doing or we're talking about athletic testing. So that would be nice to see him finish strong this season, test really well, and then maybe some NFL teams will take a chance on him. So I think we need yeah. to be concerned, but maybe maybe a decent buy low even. Yeah, I mean, I, I have him in our C2C league, and I'm definitely not getting rid of him unless somebody you know offers me something that is probably ridiculous at this point because you know he, he's not really worth all that much. So I, I hate it. Uh, I do hope for the best and that he can come back. But I mean, I also know that sometimes those injuries just completely, you know, can sap a player. And like you said, he needed this year. So if he can't get back by like mid season, now I feel like if he can get back by mid season, maybe he's going to be okay. Like you said, he'll be fully healthy by the time the combine comes around, that kind of thing. But if it takes the entire year and he has to prove himself at like the senior bowl or the combine or whatever, you know, that might be a different story. Who are you? Uh, who's your second most concerned player? <laughs> yeah, well, I would say, yeah, very concerned about Titus Swen, but he's just such a deep play. We, we need to go a little bit shallower here. And it is somebody that I know you probably wanted to mention. It's Quentin Johnston, um, TCU wide receiver, right? Uh, yeah. we, can both, we can both discuss that one if you have <laughs> stuff to add there because he's just kind of blowing it. He's, he's just been con- inconsistent to start. And you know what? A lot of it has to do with the team as well but i mean even when they were throwing they were not heavily utilizing him i know they wanted to get him the ball i don't know what's going on there a messy start to the season for tcu i think he'll turn it around but man is it going to be enough to really vault up uh rankings vault up teams boards i don't know i i really don't so at this point I have to be very concerned about Quentin Johnston. And I was never a truther. Um, I know you definitely were not. And there were some people out there who were saying he was a wide receiver two in this class. and Or wide receiver three probably after um, after the top two guys. But yeah, that was always a bit bold for me. Um, I did like him. And now I have to back off him a little bit. He's got to fall down the rankings. And <laughs> if, if you're not bumping him down, I think that it's a little bit of a take lock at this point. Exactly. And like you said, you know, we've, we've both kind of been lower on him. Uh, I feel like I've been one of the lowest on him um, at the very least. And not to say that I hate him. I'm like, I'm not saying he, I thought he was going to be terrible or anything like that because it definitely was not that I just wasn't as high on him. Um, I had him as like my wide receiver eight or something like that in the, in the class. And, you know, people, like you said, we're, we're putting him around wide receiver three. And I was just, I didn't quite understand it. Um, now that being said, I actually I had him on my list originally, and I took him off just because I want to give him a little bit more of a chance uh, before we completely write him off or anything like that. Because they only threw for 130 passing yards in Week One um, as a team, and so he only had 22 passing yards. That's not great. Like I wish he would have still had like 50 or 60 or whatever. But uh, you know, it's not like they were they did anything. Just nothing was clicking. And then in Week Two. Uh, you know, he, he kind of did the same thing, but I think they, they pulled him after like the second quarter because they were up so big on, uh, what I forget who they're playing now, but, uh, Tarkleton state or whatever the hell it was. Um, so I think that, I, I think I just want to give him a little bit more of a shot, like give him one more game and then I'll officially put him on my concerns. I was already concerned with them. So like, it's hard to be much lower than I was, you know, like I still think he has a, a chance to be a, a decent player, but I think. I was also excited about Kendra Miller and he hasn't truly like done much this year. Cause I feel like that offense is just really struggling, which kind of sucks because I know people are really getting excited about that offense this off season. So we'll have right. to see what happens. Yeah. It's an offensive concern for sure. Kendra Miller started to put together a little bit more consistency there in that last game. And even freshman Jordan Hudson, he was making some plays out there. So yeah, we can't give up on these guys. It's been two weeks for the majority of these players. So definitely it's not a, a panic sell by any means. And we have a small sample size to work with, but you know, not the greatest start here for sure. Exactly. All right. I'm going to go ahead and get this way. This one out of the way quickly. My next concern is tank Bigsby. <laughs> yeah, like, like you didn't know it was coming. Right. Um, but so many people were on, on the Twitter timeline, like freaking out after week one, Tank's back. He's back. He's just going to be amazing. He's he's the RB2 in the 2023 class. Dude played Mercer. 
<laughs> he played Mercer. When I go to like sportsreference.com, I can't even click on Mercer because it doesn't have it in the database. So like, that just goes to show you who he played in week one. <laughs> and then, and yes, he had 147 yards and two touchdowns. Like most of that came on one big play, but that, that's what you want from your running back. So I'm not even going to like hate on that or anything like that. Like I, I like the big time run rate, so I'm not going to try and take away stats or anything. I'm not doing that. He had 147 yards, two touchdowns against Mercer. In week two, he had 51 total yards and a touchdown, or I'm sorry, 51 rushing yards and a touchdown against a Mountain West San Jose State. He had seven rushing yards at halftime. Like, this is your king? <laughs> so, no. I, obviously, I'm being a little crazy, but I... I just don't, I don't think he's at that level. You know, he's not the RB2 in the class. He's not, I don't even think he's the RB5 in the class. And I just think that you should have concerns unless he just completely blows up. But I went back and looked at last year. He started last year off with over a hundred and something rushing yards in each week, his first two weeks, actually his first three weeks. And then he was garbage after that. He didn't pass or he didn't um, surpass 68 rushing yards uh, for, for like the majority of the season after that. And, you know, like a lot of the games were like 18 rushes for 68 yards. Like, that's just not what I want from my stud running back. So uh, I'm concerned, officially, if you didn't already, you know, if you haven't figured that out from the first, what, 18, 22 pods, whatever we've had. Right. He was on the concern list before the season. Now we're in the season. <laughs> He's still there. And yes, you, you've fulfilled your contractual obligation to mention Tank Bigsby. So, uh, well, well done. Well done. Thank you. Uh, but Thank but you. I, I agree there. Uh, I'll give people another bigger name as well. Uh, Jermaine Burton, Bama wide receiver. But to be honest. That was the next I, one on my list. Yeah. And to be honest, look, we could throw out like all the Alabama wide receivers into that group. I mean, even Trayshawn Holden, who started off well, I think he's going to fade. I was just listening to a Campus to Canton podcast today, and they were talking about the fact that Trayshawn Holden, he might be a backup going forward. It's like that's how much the depth chart just no matter two weeks. Yeah. Right, right. And, and that's because Ja'Cory Brooks started to step up at the end of last game, and that was really good to see. And Jermaine Burden, not really impressing, but still, I don't see him going to the bench as much as I probably see Treshawn Holden. Um, but it's to be determined. Maybe Burden also falls out of favor there. And, and once they get JoJo Earl back, they have Ja'Cory Brooks, Earl, whoever else they want, whether they keep, keep Prentice there, whatever the case is. So I have some concern. I think we all have to be concerned. And if we're starting him on the C to C side, it's, it's only a desperation start. It should not be a, a confidence. Always oh, the Bama wide receiver one. He, he just has not proven that yet. So I, I like that. He was a, a favorite in the red zone week one, but that's not going to happen every week based on what we saw against Texas. So uh, hats off to Texas really shutting down the passing game for Bama and Bama's offensive line looks to have some struggles. But none of that is making the case for Jermaine Burton. I mean, he's still disappointing regardless of the struggles that Bama has had thus far. Yeah, I, I, I had him as my next player here. It just seven catches, 45 yards, and two touchdowns through two games. It's just not... It's not what you want to see. Um, everyone, including myself, bumped him up when he got the Bama boost. You know, when he got to Alabama, um, you know, it was hard not to move him up your rankings. But he was already pretty low in my rankings because he basically did nothing at Georgia. And you're going to say no one's done anything at Georgia, but I've said it before. Brock Bowers, like, doubled him up on the same team. You know, it's just like, how do you, how do you get doubled up by a true freshman tight end and then, go, you know, and then be called, like, the the God of Alabama, you know, like, I just don't, I don't see it. So if he had gone out and just blown up, then obviously I would have been wrong, but I was just always a little bit lower on him. And now I'm actually kind of mad at myself for even bumping him up just because he went to Alabama. Although, like I said, I, I had him fairly pretty low. I don't remember exactly where, but it was definitely not where a lot of people had him. Um, but honestly, like just to give a little bit of, of or play a little bit of a devil's advocate here, the the offense has not been great. The passing offense has not been great. Bryce Young's looked pretty good, but they're just they haven't quite figured out the receivers. I don't even think the coaches have known like figured out until maybe now like who they actually want on the field. Um, you know, there's been what seven receivers you know running around playing, and and I think they're truly trying to figure out like what the best mix is. So 
I don't think it's all Burton's fault, but he's definitely, I don't think he's going to be a stud. And if people were including him in the 2023, you know, wide receiver mix, then, you know, they, they might be a little, you know, they, they, that might hurt a little bit when you're, you know, talking about, you know, some of these players, like I'm not as high on tank, you know, Quentin Johnston, Jermaine Burton, like you're starting to hurt the class a little bit when you're, you know, you start thinking that way and I, the class is going to be fine. It's a good class, but uh, you know, people are thinking like you're going to be drafting studs in the third round or something like that. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be quite that good. <laughs> right. Maybe not to those levels, but we, we have a long season ahead of us. And like, like you said, not great stats for Jermaine Burton, but he's also what fourth on the team in, in receptions, uh, third amongst the wide receivers. And that's, he's not far behind Colby Prentice and Treshawn Holden. So we shall see what, what ultimately ends up happening there. And I don't think that you were wrong to bump him up or any of us were wrong to bump him up a good amount because of the transfer into Bama, because he was a talented recruit because he was very much injured all last year. So you can't really look at the stats and just say, you know, this freshman tight end was just way better than him. And it's not a one for one comparison there. So there, there's definitely still some hope for Jermaine Burden. I'm not pan, not panicking, but I am concerned. For sure. Yeah, I just looked. I had him as my wide receiver six in the class um, before the season. I haven't changed my rankings yet because I, I really want like two or three, maybe even four weeks before I like truly start messing with the rankings too much. Just because a lot of these teams have played your Mercers and your, you know, all those kind of like, I just want to see some like actual games in these stats before I truly start changing things. But it's not a promising start for uh, for those guys. That, that was the end of my concerns. Uh, I tried to make it a shorter list so that we can uh, get some good notes here with some standouts. Do you have anyone else before we move on? No, I'll, I'll list two names, but I won't go into depth. Uh, Byron Cardwell, he just needs to separate himself from the competition more there. I think he actually does going forward, but you have to be concerned, of course. Um, but I've always trusted in his talent, and I still believe that he's the most talented of the guys who are getting significant playing time right now there. And then even Donovan Edwards, just just a smidge. Now it's early. He still needs to develop, just like Will Shipley, these guys going into their second season. They just need development as runners. And it seems like he's going to be kind of hard-pressed to get a ton of work with Corum there. And Corum operating as the 1A, it's tough. When they start pulling the starters, they also pull Donovan Edwards. So if he's not getting that many carries and he's getting pulled in blowout games, it's like, ooh, that kind of limits his upside and just his startability week to week. So for the future in Devi, do not sell low, do not panic uh, for maybe C to C, especially from a starting week in week out standpoint, there should be some concern there. Uh, who could have seen that coming? You know, who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Corum's good. He's, he's always been good. Right. So no, we have fun here. Uh, no, I, I agree. And, and I mean, I, I'm also not, I, I still like Edwards. I think he's doing just fine. And, uh, but you know, it's just, he, like you said, he, he's not getting quite the run that maybe people thought he was going to get. And, you know, some people thought he was going to even, you know, jump over quorum. And I don't definitely don't see that happening this year. So, you know, maybe in the future, but, uh, but not right now at the very least, why don't we go ahead and start with one of my standouts uh, one of my favorite players from the offseason that I touched on multiple times on multiple pods, Drake May. What is it going to take for you to finally admit that he is the one? No, no, I'm just kidding. No, I, he, he just, I mean, he, now he's played three games. So, like, you know, I guess he has an unfair advantage over some people, but, uh, but he, he won the starting job easily in the offseason. He has a 74.2% completion rate, 930 yards passing, and 11 touchdowns with one interception through three games. Like I said, what more do you need, Aaron? I just need him to play some good teams, that's all. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I've been super impressed by him, and he's got to rise up, right? It's Caleb Williams, and then there's like Quinn Ewers, and, you know, question mark, I, I think he's showing some good flashes and now he's hurt, unfortunately, yeah. with that shoulder. But that should only keep him out four to six weeks. But then we have Drake May, who easily rises in the class to be at least the QB three right now. I think that's very fair to slot him in there. He's looked really good. He's flashed all the traits that people were anticipating him to either develop into or 
to show from high school. So he solved a little bit of the mobility concerns that I had. Um, that was probably the only concern really um, besides the fact that he was just so unproven and that UNC failed to put Sam Howell um, into significant draft capital. So I think this is a great start for Drake May. I really want to see him keep it up and that's without having Josh Downs. Um, I mean, he's had Josh Downs a little bit, but Downs has been out the last two weeks that's his main target. Everybody else there is unproven. So considering Drake May is doing that with backups and or just super unproven guys is impressive. Absolutely. Wait, did, didn't did Appalachian State just beat, uh, what was it, Texas A&M? A&M? I, I'm not a big App State guy. I, I, know, I know crazy stuff happens, but... I'm just um, saying, didn't they just do that? Didn't they just beat a top 10 team? And, uh, and, and you know, Drake May had, uh, like... 400 passing yards and four tutties against Appalachian State in week two. So, I, you know, I, just saying. Yeah, no, I mean, that's an excellent point there, too. And I think that shows the Texas A&M dysfunction just as much as it shows, you know, UNC. <laughs> but um, UNC barely won, right? I mean, six. They also don't even have Josh won. Downs. Josh Downs has been out. Like, imagine if he had Josh Downs right now. Yeah, true. No, exactly. I mean, I agree with the Josh Downs thing because he's such a stud. I need him back. I have him on both of my C to C rosters. I know I, I curse all the players I draft. Right. Um, (laughs) but yes, we need, we need downs back and then Drake May's numbers should continue to be really good as well. So no, I honestly, like I, I know you were always into him. You just didn't know if he was going to be a starter. So I'm just giving you a little shit, but I just, uh, I, I don't know. I love everything I've seen so far. Yeah, and you know what? I You love Drake May. I love Caleb Williams. We'll segue into him. I don't even need to really touch on too much other than he's just been very efficient, smooth within that offense. They haven't even had to put up a fight against the teams they're playing. It's a seamless transition, and that's with a bad offensive line coming into the season. So I'm excited. Um, very much looking forward to seeing how this season <laughs> plays out for USC. So I don't know that I expect him to have a flawless season. Uh, he's going to have two more years playing in college before he goes to the NFL, though. So plenty of time to prove that he's consistent, that he has all the skills and traits that NFL teams are looking for. So after that really, really good true freshman season, he's starting starting it off well. So for anybody who is nervous about, hey, are we anointing him too early? I really think that he's putting the right first steps out there for two games into the season. Now, I completely agree with you, but you want to talk about has he played anyone? Uh, I'm talking about Rice and Stanford. Uh, but uh, honestly, like the team looks great. He looks great. Um, I didn't really have concerns with them, but I wasn't 100% sure if he was going to be in that top tier with like Bryce and CJ. Uh, I, I think I feel now once again it was it was rice and stanford it's only two games but i feel like fairly comfortable putting him up there right now um i'm not officially changing my ranks like i said before but i I think that you know in a week or two if he's continuing at at this pace then i'll be uh you know perfectly fine moving him up into that top tier yeah and we'll definitely be watching ahead into this the schedule i mean not that stanford's not pushover but they're also yeah but i'll be looking ahead to other teams, Notre Dame, Utah on the schedule. That'll be, oh, actually, uh, I think I have my schedules wrong. Uh, but they play some notable teams definitely coming up here. So, yeah, should be interesting to see how that season goes. Uh, who's your next guy, John? Yeah, that'll be great. I have another QB, and uh, it's a player that I've liked for quite some time, and it hasn't really worked out all that great, but it seems like it's it's starting off pretty well this year. It's Jaden Daniels out of LSU. Um, in week one, it didn't look amazing, but I honestly think I, it could have looked a lot better if Keishon Boutte had actually like looked at the football instead of just like running, like jogging on the field. Um, you know, I don't know what was going on exactly with that, but... Uh, Jaden was kind of running for his life and, you know, it, it worked out like he had, um, I think he had 74 rushing yards. I lost my spot here. Oh no, he had 114 rushing yards in, uh, in week one, he had 209 passing yards, two touchdowns and no picks. So like, once again, not the best game ever. Um, I think Florida state's a little bit better than we were expecting, or at least I was expecting. I didn't think that they were even going to be able to stand with any team, much less, you know, like go in and, and beat LSU like that. Uh, not that LSU is this like amazing team right now, but 
it just it was still a surprise, but he completed 74% of his passes week one. In week two, he was almost perfect. Like, literally, like, 10 for 11. I think it was 180-something yards, three touchdowns, and they pulled him in the second quarter. They were like, get out of here. Like, we don't need to see anymore. Uh, so, like, you, you might not see, like, great receiving numbers from, like, Keishon Boutte once again or, or, or Malik Neighbors, you know, any of those players, but... It was because they were too good in the beginning, you know, and it was against like Southern Alabama or whoever the hell it was. It was, it was not a good team. So I'm not saying like, it's this amazing thing, but this is the Jaden Daniels that I thought we were going to see this year. And there was, a, there was some question marks because we weren't sure if he was going to get the starting job and, and all that, or a hundred percent sure. But I, I had hope and uh, here we are and he's looking pretty damn good. And it, it actually is starting to look like he could be an NFL QB if he you know takes some steps forward this year with a you know good team, some good receivers around him, that kind of thing, what do you think? Sure, yeah, that's that's very fair, and he's had a solid start. You know, not on fire by any means, but there's context to that, of course, like you mentioned. His schedule later in the season is the only thing that gives me a little pause, and maybe it's because there's a new coach that I I don't know. They play teams like Tennessee, Florida. Ole Miss, Alabama, Arkansas, Texas A&M. That's tough. I mean, if he shows inconsistency, let's say in back-to-back games, something like that, could they pull him? Yeah, I could see it for sure. Just, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like things are going that smooth yet for LSU. Like, they needed that big win last week, but was it a big win? Like you said, I mean, it was very low-level competition. So, and the Florida State game, didn't quite go their way though. Jaden Daniels down the stretch looked pretty good. So there's promising things there. I mean, each player has risk, right? I, I still think he's a risky guy, but honestly, optimism should be expect or yeah, that's reasonable with his start. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're discussing price with him, you know, for where you got him, the fact that he even has a shot at being that guy, is pretty nice. You know, you, you, he's probably undrafted in like your normal five round, you know, uh, Debbie draft. And so, you know, you're, you're talking about like deeper leagues or, you know, waiver wires or, or whatever, or, you know, like uh, supplemental drafts, like that kind of thing. I, I think I discussed it earlier, but I had taken over a uh, an orphan in a league and the only Debbie player they had on their squad was Jaden Daniels. And so at the time I was just kind of like, like this was when he was still at uh, what Arizona. And uh, at the time I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know how to feel about this. And then he transferred to LSU. I'm like, okay, this might actually work out. And then, you know, week one, like it didn't look amazing, but it's just, it's a lot more promising, but man, he looked great. Uh, he's starting to see that connection. And I hate that. I hate when these coaches play this game of who's the starting QB and all that kind of stuff in the off season, because I don't think they, they get that connection with the wide receivers in the off season. And then they have to go get it in, in season. So it takes a few games. And so, yeah, it was against a lower level competition, but man, they were clicking. And if they can move and bring that forward and do it against the tougher competition, then I'm going to be pretty damn excited with them. Yeah, that's, that's very fair. And we can move to another player on my side. And in fact, I'm going to list a whole list of names. I'm not even going to touch on each one, just a bunch of names to throw out there that have impressed. And Evan Hall, Northwestern, uh, Jordan Mims, Fresno. I'll just say the names here, like Henry Parrish, Anthony Grant, EJ Smith, Devin Neal, Jalen Berger, Zach Charbonnet, Chase Brown, Taj Brooks, Mo Abraham, for various reasons. And yeah, I mean, various outcomes. They have looked very good to start the season. Each one of them, I mean, there's guys there like Henry Parrish. I don't think he's going to keep it up. I don't think he's necessarily an NFL guy, a little undersized. But all of those guys have really impressed early on in the season and makes me kind of sad I don't have more shares of a few of them because Jalen Berger, I mean, is he going to end up doing what Kenneth Walker just did, uh, make his way into the NFL? I think he very much is in consideration for day two draft capital as a running back in this upcoming class. And you start realizing there's a lot of RB talent out there right now. And that's promising. Uh, but I won't go any further on those guys. I could also talk about Kenny McIntosh for Georgia. Great receiver so far, but his rushing has been a little bit subpar. He's not really standing out there as a rusher. But, you know, as a receiving back, he's what James Cook does, but he's just bigger. So more uh, three-down workhorse upside, potentially. 
but that's a long way of me saying I, I really like Jordan Addison, wide receiver for USC is doing. So all those running backs, they're <laughs> fine. Kind of hard to differentiate them yet. You know, they need to put it together with the consistency of a whole season, um, in my opinion, because running backs are just, I mean, you can put guys into an NFL game for one game and they look great, right? They, we need a longer sample or a bigger sample size. But Jordan Addison is just killing it at wide receiver. So I know that was a long way of getting around to the wide receiver I chose there, but he's doing everything that we needed him to do coming into a new team. And I understand the competition level right away for USC and all that, but he's been in sync and they're going to be a deadly weapon all year long. Yeah. I love me some, some Madison and he definitely got, I had him as my wide receiver three. I think he, if I was officially changing anything right now, he'd be my two uh, in the class. But you know, like that, I also, I, I was like the biggest Josh Downs fan and he hasn't been on the field. So it's hard to, you know, like it, it's only a couple of games, but you know, it's hard to be like, look at what Addison's doing and Downs isn't on the field, you know, like, and, and not, you know, want to move things around and that kind of thing. Um, it, it, I'll probably end up putting Addison over Downs anyway, just because of what he's doing. But, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens and, and hopefully Downs can get back uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, but EJ Smith, I want to touch on, like he definitely is standing out. He was on my list. Um, uh, uh, Berger, I man, I just feel like that was the one that I I might have whiffed on. Now it's only a couple of weeks, but I I really felt like he had no shot of doing anything. You know, I've I've talked about him before, and I I just didn't feel like he was going to do much of anything because he he hasn't done anything. He's had time, he's had op- opportunities, but man, he just did nothing with it, and now he's look looking pretty damn good. I'm not going to lie, and that brings me to my next player that it, I feel like. I really, I've, I've been pretty good this off season, like with uh, making calls of who I think are going to be good, who's going to you know take a step forward this year, that kind of thing. But I was pretty down on this player, and I feel like I can officially say like I need to take an L, and that is Raheem Rocket Sanders, dude. It looks like a fucking rocket, <laughs> like he is just standing out, um, and I just I I couldn't see it. I mean, I obviously people saw that he was explosive and he was an athlete and all that kind of stuff, but he just didn't put it on the field at all last year. Um, but uh, clearly he's that type of player that needs more than like eight touches a game or whatever uh, to do what he's doing. And I'll tell you what, he, he's been a workhorse for the team. He's looked explosive. He has over 300 total yards and two touchdowns through two weeks. And, you know, like, honestly, like it kind of makes me, we're going to get into the the class comparison here pretty uh pretty soon and it makes me kind of happy because it's just another 2024 running back that we can be excited about yeah that class is looking good and and all the running backs that you mentioned there i mean i I like the shout outs for sure ej smith legit receiving abilities coming out of high school emmett smith's son and i honestly thought he was gonna pop right away but it's taken him so long so understandable why he's been off people's radars it was one that i loved him last offseason didn't get any playing time really. And I was, I was like, well, now I, I kind of, I got to fade him. And then that's coming back to bite me and same with Jalen Berger, right? Um, he, obvious replacement coming into um, Michigan state. So yeah, good choices there, but ultimately the guy you just <laughs> reviewed is, is a good one too. So do you, um, do you have any more guys that you want to mention here? I just really want to touch on Am- Amika Buka and, and Marvison Harrison Jr. Like, I don't think we could get away with, with not touching on, on those two guys. Like, they, wow. Like, just wow. That's all I can really say about it. Um, Amika kind of blew up. It was like a mini blow up in week one. and But, I mean, really, the offense wasn't clicking that week. Uh, they only had, uh, he had 90 yards and a touchdown in week one, but they only threw for 223 yards and two touchdowns. So, I mean, he had like half of the offense. He was half of the offense. And then in week two, Marvin Harrison Jr. just goes off. And Ibuka still had a decent game, but Harrison Jr. has nine catches, 162 yards, and a touchdown, which is basically half of the passing offense. So I think we see that both of these guys can be the guy. But, of course, just like last year where you have your Garrett Wilson and your Chris Olave and your JSN and, and whoever else, like there's just a lot of a mouse to feed. So like it's probably going to be – this guy this week, this guy that week. And Jason's not even there right now. So God only knows what's going to happen when J- Jason comes back. So 
Uh, it's exciting. It, it's the, the offense is amazing or, you know, it will be amazing uh, if it's not even quite there yet. They're still very young and, and raw and, and all that kind of stuff. But we were concerned or, you know, there was concerns like very shortly before the season that Egbuka wasn't even going to be on the field week one. And now maybe the JSN injury helped with that. You know, we have, really have no idea uh, per se, but here we are. I don't think they can deny Egbuka and, and, you know, take him off the field at this point. You know, like you, you have to assume. And then, you know, obviously Harrison's not going to be taken off the field either. So uh, it just, the 2024 class is looking better. Just, you know, every, every, every game, every, every play. And uh, I guess we're going to be talking about that here pretty soon. Yeah. Class is looking good. Those guys that you mentioned are looking good. What Now that they've unleashed Ibuka, they can't justify benching him, right? And, and if he rotates in and out a little bit, I'm not even going to worry about that because then he's even more fresh. And we've talked about his skill set before on this show, how elusive he is, how great he is with the ball in his hands. And he's flashing some versatility, especially in the return game this year. Um, I know he had a, a very long return touchdown call back, but I mean, he just flashes that big playability. And Marvin Harrison Jr., same same deal. He's flashing some big plays this year, too, which we were looking for. That was one of the big things. So I like those calls. Um, if we're talking to – well, and I'll also touch on Raheem Sanders, too. Just he is another guy in that year two taking that next step. So, you know, we wanted to see that right away out of Will Shipley, Donovan Edwards. Haven't quite fully seen that yet from them, but um, – I mean, we're seeing that out of Rocket Sanders, that's for sure. So, And he has receiving upside as well. I mentioned EJ Smith having that receiving background. Rocket Sanders is the same way. So very much a souped-up, more – it's going to be a way um, way more accomplished version of Antonio Gibson, for example. I think they play somewhat similarly, but, I mean, Rocket Sanders is just better, in my opinion. So uh, only other guy I really wanted to mention here was Jacob Cohen, Arizona there's been a bunch of standout wide receivers thus far, like Jalen McMillan, Washington, um, Chris Thornton, James Madison. He's been tearing it up, but he's a small guy. Uh, and he's old too. Allie Jennings, old dominion, been tearing it up. Torrey Horton, Colorado state. Those, those are a bunch of standout wide receivers. The question is, are any of those NFL guys? And I think Coeing has the best argument to say that, oh yeah, he has an NFL future or a potential at least. So keep an eye on him this season. He's definitely standing out. I agree. We're running a little low on time here, so we'll go ahead and move on to the next thing. But I just want to touch on my last player, and that's Cedric Tillman. Um, you know, I had said on previous pods that I just wasn't really sold on him. Uh, he took so long to break out, and and yet, you know, he broke out in a big way last year, and he just picked right back up this year. You know, where he left off. So I'm I'm fine with saying like I don't think he's going to be a stud or anything. I don't think he's going to be like a top tier guy, but I definitely think he can be a player in the 2023 class that, you know, like people can get excited about. And so why don't we go ahead and touch on these, uh, these classes with 2023 is the hottest thing ever. You know, like the, the picks are just going insane. You know, people trading, people are deciding like, can I trade this stud running back for a 2023 pick or vice versa? Like, do I want to pay a 2023 pick for this stud player? And, uh, you know, it's not always that way. Uh, but then we've just talked about what three or four, maybe five guys from the 2024 class that we love. So, you know, that class is looking pretty damn good. How do you feel about how these players are, are shaking out with, uh, you know, from each class, not necessarily comparing the classes, but just kind of how the players are, are looking from these classes. Yeah. So I really think that the running back group is growing and growing, and growing for this 23 class. I don't know how many of the very top end elite guys are going to come out of there. We know Bijan's great. And then, you know, Gibbs is, is definitely getting up there. He still needs to prove himself as a rusher, but there's just a lot of talented guys, but the depth, that's what's been really impressing me, uh, especially of late to start the season quarterback play in the 2023 class. I mean, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud definitely haven't been elite to start, but they are good quarterback prospects. Hopefully they continue to um, put up some numbers this season and improve on what they've done. And then the wide receivers, I don't know. I think I'm with you that this class, while it deserves a lot of recognition, 
I don't know. Maybe the wide receivers, there's some unperformers out or underperformers out there so far. Even Boutte, supposed to be this elite guy. Really some weird stuff going on there. Uh, I have to say, he could have made it onto our concern list. That would have been very much warranted. And then tight ends, I mean, Michael Mayer, who probably isn't going to be a transcendent talent. He's He should be a good tight end. Maybe he's like a Pat Fryermuth type, who's going to be a very good tight end probably for a long time, but is he elite? Is he a game changer? Yeah, we'll see where he lands, I suppose. But yeah, the 2023 class, I'm really liking how the running backs are shaping up, but the rest of the class needs to kind of develop and fill in there. If, if we're expecting the first and second round to be completely loaded. Yeah, I agree. I, I do feel like the wide receivers are kind of falling off a little bit. Maybe the running backs for the 23 class are kind of, you know, making up for that, you know, so that's still going to be okay. Um, the QBs are iffy, you know, like that you have the top two. And then honestly, like I do, I really do. I almost put Tyler Van Dyke on my, um, on, on my like standouts, but I, I wasn't quite there. You know, like I've already talked about how I like Van Dyke and everything, but just looking at who they've played and stuff, I, I wanted to give a little more time. But he hasn't looked bad, like by any means. I know there was concerns with how the offense was going to look, if things were going to change, and like he's still looking pretty good uh, in the numbers and in the stats and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm pretty confident in him being maybe not at that tier in that top tier, but like the third guy um, in the class. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people aren't there, but that's kind of where I am right now. And then you know, you, you get. There's not too many other guys. Like I, it really falls off. Like there's a pretty big tear break from there. Um, even my boy Grayson McCall hasn't really started off all that great. And I mean, not technically he was last year, but you know he didn't come out. So, you know, he hasn't looked all that great starting off. But we'll hopefully we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed and, and hope that he can uh, pick it back up right where he left off last year because he was looking pretty damn good. So we'll see what happens there. But what about the 24 class? We've touched on some of the players that we think are kind of standing out here, but uh, anyone else that, or like, how are you feeling about the class in general? Yeah, I'm liking it more and more as the days go, as the weeks go on here. I'm, yeah, definitely a big fan of how this class is starting to shape up. And this should have been expected to some degree because there's uncertainty when we're projecting two years out. And as we get more and more information, we fill in those puzzle pieces. We really, yeah, get the get the stats that we need, get the film that we desire to evaluate these guys. And the wide receivers, I mean, they're really promising at the top. You got Xavier Worthy, Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka. And then after that, definitely some interesting guys who they just need a good season. That's that's it. I mean, Mario Williams, Bo Collins, the Alabama wide receivers. There's even guys like Isaiah Nayor and maybe a couple other guys who you know, they're going to be the next year, even though they're upperclassmen, they're a little bit older who could come in and really impress in that 2024 class. And then I haven't even talked about the running backs yet. The running backs are very attractive in that class. Like, I mean, I know the running backs in the 23 class are very, very much uh, promising. 2024 class is similar in that context. So, I mean, I think Travion's not quite as good as Bijan, but he's still really good. I would not be concerned about his start to the season. And there's there's a lot of other talented guys, Braylon Allen, Raheem Sanders, Will Shipley, Donovan Edwards, Devin Neal. And then there's just guys who are going to stay another year from the 2023 class. I mean, what if, I'm not saying this will happen, what if Zach Evans, what if Jameer Gibbs, somebody like that, uh, McClellan, everybody's favorite guy, Tank Bigsby. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, but what if some of those guys stay and then they're also highly regarded in, in the 2024 class? That's certainly possible. And then you look at the tight end position and we get Bowers, Trigg, Jatavian Sanders, Elijah Arroyo, Nesbitt. Wow. <laughs> There's some talent there. So you start getting <laughs> excited about some of these guys. And I know it's not complete yet. There's still a lot of work for these guys to do. And I assume that they won't get injured, things like that. But yes, very excited for that 2024 class. Yeah, I really don't have much to add. I, there's, It's a lot of players that we just need to see get on the field still, obviously, um, and, and rightfully so, especially with the 25 class where – you know, we really don't have too many players from the 25 class that are really doing too much. Although Nicholas Singleton is standing out. I mean, like looking like a true blown stud um, from week one. 
Uh, we really haven't seen too many other freshman running backs, although there is one, and I can't. I thought I put him on my list, my standouts list, but um, I, I can't think of it. Oh, Quinshawn, uh, Quinshawn uh, Judkins. Judkins, yep, yep. yep. Judkins has know, been like, good. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean, feel like there's love, there's some sure. good players that that you know we we're not going to see all of them, but like there's definitely some running backs that are already standing out. That's really looking good for that class. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for the 2025 class, we have Trevor Etienne, right? We have Marion Hampton. We got George Petaway. And like you said, there's Judkins, uh, Jaden Ott. He's looked really good for Cal, and he was actually good coming out. I just doubted that Cal could actually, you know, put <laughs> up good stats and develop a running back, but he's looked good. Jonah Coleman, Arizona. And then there's all the guys who haven't looked good or been able to show anything yet just because of an opportunity standpoint, like Branson Robinson, Jaden Blue, Travante Citizen, Andrew Paul, Travante Barnes. I mean, you go down the list and – there is a lot of talent in that 25 class. So don't panic if you don't see your guy stepping up right away early season. Take, takes time sometimes, but there's a lot of guys already flashing. And from the wide receiver group, it's another one that's that's going to take some time. But yeah, Luther Burden, he's at least flashing. I think that offense is going to hold him back. He's going to look really good playing for like Alabama, Ohio State next year. No, um, but Luther Burden... He probably should transfer, to be honest, but he'll start to figure it out because he is that talented as a wide receiver. And there's a couple other talented uh, wide receivers who are flashing already. Antonio Williams, Evan Stewart. Those are my three guys, my top three guys, and they're already playing well um, in Burden, Williams, and Stewart. So, yeah, there, there's some potential there for sure, but it's just so early. Yeah, Burden's on that Wandale Robinson track right now, so we'll see if he transfers or what he does. But uh, you know, the the receiving part of that offense isn't really looking all that great. But I mean, he's actually looked pretty good, you know, in the first week especially. I don't think he did too much in week two, but uh, yeah, there, there's some promising players. We we'll just have to see him get on the field. You know, it's I, I've learned you know over the past year or two that you know it's just a lot of these guys just don't get on the field year one even though you want them to so bad or even if they do they don't quite have the role that you want uh that took me a little bit to to figure out but uh but here we are so we'll we'll definitely focus on these classes and how they're uh, shaping up each week or you know every once in a while at the very least so that we can really see you know where do you want to focus your picks on because if everyone's focused on 220, uh, 2023 picks, then, you know, maybe we have to go somewhere else. And we're not the only ones saying that. I'm not trying to act like we're, you know, geniuses here or anything. But, you know, we, we want to show you why you might want to invest your picks and not just be like, oh, go get 2024 picks. Be like, this is why you want to go get, because Rocket Sanders is now a stud. And I was wrong. <laughs> but um, why don't we talk about a player that is now on our radar and then we'll go ahead and get out of here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and get started with yours, if you have one. I know you were kind of struggling with uh, a couple different names there, and then I'll, I'll go ahead and get us out of here after that. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely struggled with that. There's just a lot of guys who are intriguing at this point in the season. Uh, a guy who hasn't really fully broken out yet, A.D. Mitchell, Georgia, just continued to flash. I know he's injured now. You know, he sprained his ankle, and that limited his last game. But he had really solid true freshman production from the second he stepped on campus. He was a go-to receiver for Georgia. And this year's passing game doesn't look terrible. I think Stetson Bennett, I know he's feeding, you know, like running backs, things like that. But I I do think that they can at least be functional as a passing game. And he's a 2024 guy. So let's see if, you know, Gunnar Stockton, whoever lands at Georgia next year, maybe they can further advance this passing game. So E.D. Mitchell for me is one that still on the fence, but I'm cautiously optimistic for him. How about yourself? Yeah, I, you're talking about Adonai Mitchell, right? You, yes, you call correct. him AD. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just I've never heard him called AD, but uh, I also don't watch very much football. So <laughs> but uh yeah, I actually I like him. Uh, I thought I've always like thought he was kind of a standout. You, when you're talking about a, a Georgia offense, you kind of have to look at how they are in the offense and not just uh you know, like the raw stats and that kind of thing. And he stands out for a lot of things, especially as a, a true freshman last year. So, I think that he's somebody right true freshman last year. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yep, so, correct. 
Okay, just making sure I'm not talking on my ass here. But well, and, he, uh... and to add to that, too, I mean, his recruiting probably affected by COVID. His high school season mm. likely affected by that, and that's why you know star rating might not have quite been there even as a recruit. So if you go looking him up, like, who is this Adonai Mitchell guy? I mean, you're not going to see five-star by any means, and that's probably why he hasn't got quite the attention that you'd expect to. But he's playing like he is, that's for sure. Yeah, no, he looked good last year. I haven't truly focused in on him this year to see what he's doing. I think he said he was hurt, um, so maybe that's a good thing. But uh, I, I like the call there. Definitely somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, now, this is a player that I had truly never heard of. I'm new to the game, so you'll have to forgive me. Aaron knew who he was right away. So, you know, like once I gave him the, the name, uh, so you know he knows the recruits. He, he knows all about that. But uh, this is a four-star recruit uh, three years ago. And uh, he was recruited by Alabama, Arkansas, and Mississippi State. He ended up going to Mississippi State. It's Garrett Schrader, a QB. Uh, Now he's with Syracuse. He ended up transferring over there. And I'll tell you what, he transferred because he was terrible. Uh, He was terrible at Mississippi State. He was terrible last year with Syracuse for the most part. But then something clicked in Week 12. Last year against Pittsburgh, who's no slouch of a team. You know, like the pretty good team. And... They, it just, like I said, something just clicked. He had a 71% completion rate and 174.3 passer rating in week 12 of last season. And okay, you know, that's not all that exciting. It's one game. Well, he's picked right up where he left off this year and he has a 79% completion rate through two games, 528 yards passing and five touchdowns through, through two weeks. He also has 118 yards rushing and he takes care of the ball. He only has a 1.4% interception rate. So even though he was never truly a prolific passer or anything like that in the past, he's always protected the ball, even in the past, uh, in, in the, all throughout the his college career. Now he's doubled his adjusted yards per attempt. He was in the sixes and the sevens um, for adjusted yards per attempt. He's now at 12.9 this season. Now it's only in two games. I'm not saying run out and buy this guy and, and you know, like he's going to be the, the next, you know, he's going to be the second tier QB in this class or anything like that. I'm just saying, keep an eye on him. He was a four-star prospect. People obviously liked him. These teams, Alabama recruited him. Uh, you know, he's, he's no slouch. So, He's completely off people's radars at this point, I'm pretty sure. Uh, But it's somebody I'm going to keep on my radar and just see how he does because it could be like a Kenny Pickett-esque like ascension where something just, he figured something out and all of a sudden he knows how to be a QB right now. Yeah, I I think you made good points as far as how he started the season. For me, maybe I just have some PTSD or something from all the podcasts in the offseason saying, you know, he's not a good passer. He will not, you know, keep the job, whatever kind of fear mongering that was out there. No, <laughs> but I do think that there was just a lot of negative sentiment around him. And maybe it's because he, this is his, what, fourth year out of high school. And he has been a pretty poor passer to this point. So the strides early in the season, definitely promising. I just want to see more. Could this be a Brendan Lewis situation where it's just a smaller sample size, not a one-to-one comparison, but you know, where you get a little flash, is he going to be able to sustain that? We shall see. That's, that's for sure. So I will be definitely paying closer attention now that you've, you've brought him to my attention and those who play CFF leagues, they're, you know, these college fanatics, um, and I'm even in a, a best ball CFF league with some guys in the community. And I, yeah, I like it. It's interesting. It makes me think a bit different about the college game. That's for sure. And Schrader, he was kind of a hot commodity there because people did expect him to run. So have some value on the ground. Plus, I mean, whatever he can contribute as a passer. And from what you're saying too, you know, it might be more than what we anticipated passing wise. So uh, don't mind that call at all. Yeah, I, I look for certain thresholds when I'm when I'm looking for like actual like NFL prospects, and he's meeting those thresholds, albeit in a very small sample right now, in like three games, his last three games. So yes, it absolutely could be. 
That's why I'm, he's just on my radar. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not all in just yet, <laughs> but we'll see, you know, maybe next week will will get me there. <laughs> but um, like I said, I'm short on time because I have to go jump on another Debbie podcast. So you guys can follow me over to the full tilt Debbie podcast. If you'd like, I, um, yeah, I'm going to be talking a little bit more of these players. And I think we're going to be talking about some Alabama wide receivers, believe it or not. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens there. But this was awesome, Aaron. I'm so glad we got to actually talk some some real college football, and uh, I can't wait to do it again. Hopefully next week. You know, I know a lot's going on with uh, your life and 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 everything else. So we'll see if we can get back next week. If not, we'll definitely be back in two weeks. Um, if you have anything else, uh, you know, before we get out of here, then go ahead and speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> No, I I like it. I, I will be very interested to see what the conclusions are on the on the fill tilt regarding the Alabama wide receiver core. That's that's for sure. So <laughs> thanks for getting on here, John. This was fun. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thanks for listening, guys. We will be back as soon as possible. But for now, we are cashing out. See ya.